0: So I thought I'd do a, a, like kind of a short class this morning, <clears throat> focusing on um, I think something would be really cool to to talk about, and that is um, the think the thought that um, that's out there among some circles, that mainly among Reformed and Calvinistic teachings, that a person cannot um, believe. Until he is first regenerated. That's the teaching of Calvinism and reformed theology, basically, that, that, you know, God sovereignly regenerates someone. And then because they're a new creation, because they're born again, then they can exercise faith. They do that because they feel like they're glorifying God, because they feel like uh, faith is kind of a work of man. So they take that out of man's hands and, say, and says, you know, not, not even faith is man's work. And so they make faith a meritorious work, which the scripture does not do. The scripture says that we are not saved by a law of works, but we are saved by a law of faith. So the scripture puts works and faith on opposite sides of the table because faith is not a work in, in that sense. It is a work in the sense that you do something by believing, but it's not a meritorious work. Faith is merely believing what God has worked and, to, and they've made it very confusing to say that no that's, that's, that's legalism to believe no faith is the opposite of law Paul taught so I want to talk about how and also the thinking about what, you know, what this, this thinking about total depravity what is total depravity because that, they get that as a foundation for this whole thing and um, what that means so we'll take a look at that real quick Um, one thing for sure we know Adam after the fall after he became spiritually dead to God he still talked to God awesome Lord we just thank you that you're helping us see these things so clearly and it's really very very simple but very profound Father I pray that the Holy Spirit would help us see this awesome truth that would keep us firm in the truth of the finished work of Christ in all simplicity knowing this, that this work of Christ is for all people all people, not just a certain elect and that all who come to you can and will be saved if they will simply believe whosoever will, let him come for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe on him would not perish but have everlasting life amen yeah the this whole thinking about having to be born again before you have faith before you can have faith is really absurd if you think about it it's really absurd and Paul um, I mean if, if someone is already born again why do you have to even preach to them right Um, I mean, they don't... it's It's just a way that they have logically set their doctrine up to, in their mind, give glory to God. But God is not glorified by something that's not true. And the end result of that teaching is that only a certain few get this faith called the elect. And God withholds His sovereign act of regeneration from others so they never can believe, even if they wanted to. Because... He sovereignly chooses certain ones to receive this faith and certain ones not to receive it. So it's got incredible problems. Not to mention the fact that they have to also teach that those people who had faith in the Old Testament, Abraham, Isaac, David, Samuel, all the prophets, those who had faith in the Old Testament, they have to also teach that they were also regenerated. They were new creations. They were born again. And so it dilutes, it dilutes and confuses the work of God, the two covenants, completely. It devalues the awesome work of Christ, whereas it makes the work of Christ a rubber stamp kind of formality that, that, that he had to go through to make all of this true that was already true in the past. There were already new creations. they were already born again. There, you see what I'm saying? There's none of this sense of a new thing has come. Behold, I do a new thing. Uh, a new covenant, not like the old covenant that I cut with the house of Israel. This is a brand new thing. Um, John said the Holy Spirit cannot even be given until Christ was glorified. cannot be given in a regenerative way, So where, where he was inside of us and us inside of him. So all these promises of the new covenant become like, well, they had, they had all this. They had to have all this under their doctrine because they couldn't believe without all this in their thinking, see? Yet the Scripture says they did not have all this. In fact, they did not have what you have, Hebrews 11 says, so that they would not be perfect without us. They would not be complete without us because something new is coming much better than what they had. That's why they descended to Sheol awaiting what you have. I mean, it's, to me, it's so clear. And, it, and that's why you see in Reformed thinking and Calvinistic thinking, you see this emphasis on the law because they see it all as the same. They, they don't really see a, a clear distinction between two covenants. So the believer, if there were believers back then, regenerated, under the law, then why shouldn't we be regenerated believers now under the law? And that's exactly how they think. And so that's why you have this emphasis on the law in that thinking as a rule of life for the believer and emphasis on the law, et cetera, et cetera. And so when they hear us in our clear proclamation, as the apostle Paul taught that we are dead to the law, that Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to all who believe, um, when they hear these clear announcements they consider it um antinomianism they consider it heresy they consider it um a misapplication of scripture that you know no paul's just talking about justification and all those verses you know that that's all about justification it's not about the christian life it's not about sanctification no he's talking about everything you know the galatians were already justified and they were going back to the law so the whole letter of the Galatians is talking about sanctification it's talking about having begun in the spirit are you now Galatians going to be made perfect through the law no he's talking about sanctification he's talking about growth he's talking about the Christian life he's talking about living the Christian life having begun in the spirit now are you going to go back to the law see so it's very clear that that this huge uh, change took place in the coming of Christ and this huge difference in, in, in how we view everything um And so, the reason why I know this is so important is because it's like a cancer in the body of Christ. It is in Reformed theology, Calvinism, people who start to get grace, it's a trap for them. Because people who are getting out of legalism and they're starting to hear about grace and they're starting to get free, this thinking is waiting for them if they're not aware of this snare and they will go for it many times because it sounds good it sounds like it's consistent with grace it sounds it sounds even better it's super grace i mean not even my faith is from me you know it sounds good at first but when you really look at what the scripture says and the implications of what they're saying it distorts the image of god it makes god um like the owner of the titanic who didn't provide enough lifeboats You know, we we call that criminal these days. You know, the Titanic sunk without enough lifeboats for everybody on that boat. God has provided a lifeboat for everybody on the earth. I will draw all men unto me. I died not for just the sins of of the believer, but for the sins of the world, John says. So when you look at what he's saying, what they're saying there, it, it distorts the vision of the Father. And frankly, I've never met, and I've been around for a while, I've never met a Calvinist who was excited about telling people about Jesus, about Jesus. I've never met a Calvinist who was excited about telling people about Jesus. I have met many Calvinists excited about talking about predestination, sovereign choice, election. That tells you something. Okay, Um, let's take a look at this. All right, let me remember remember this. Remember this point right here. This is so cool. The scripture doesn't teach that you need to have new life as an unbeliever, okay? An unbeliever, unregenerate person, the scripture does not teach that you and I need to have new life in order to believe. What we need is new light. That's the key. We need revelation. We need light. We are blind. We we're born blind into this world alienated from the life of God. We do not have the life of God when we come into this world. But we're also darkened in our understanding. Let's look at this verse in Ephesians. Ephesians. This is so cool to see this, how simple it is and how awesome it is because it means that anybody can see. Ephesians. Chapter, chapter four, Ephesians chapter four, verse seventeen. Yes. What uh, did you say that predestination, sovereign choice, and predestination, sovereign choice, election. Election. I think election. Those are the things I hear Calvinists excited about. But not, I just haven't, I just haven't heard anyone really excited in that vein of thinking about Jesus himself and telling people to believe on him. Because frankly, you know what's ironic about Calvinism? As a footnote, Calvinism, reformed theology arose as an, an opposition to Roman Catholicism. That was their nemesis. Okay. They fought the Pope. They fought Roman Catholicism and they had a lot of things Right as Clark said they have a lot of things right about justification by faith not of works and that they fought the Catholic Church okay the Catholic Church Roman Catholicism taught that you can't be sure if you're going to heaven or not you have to do good works you have to believe you have to do the sacraments you have to do the rituals and maybe maybe St. Peter will let you in the gates at the end Roman Catholicism to this day talk to any Catholic they'll say well I hope I make it I hope I hope I make it I hope my good outweighs my bad that kind of thinking which is not scriptural at all we know So, Reformed theology addressed that and came against that, and that was a very good thing they did because it broke open the whole concept of grace and faith, and it was awesome. It changed the world. But when they adopted this, this, when they they got off track and adopted this view of, of election, of, you know, God having to give you the faith, God having to regenerate you before you even believe, a strange thing happened they became just like the Catholics. They're not even sure if they're the elect. They're not even confident that their neighbor can go to heaven. They may not be the elect. John Calvin said in his Institutes, direct quote from John Calvin, he said that even those who think they are the elect may not be the elect. Because they may have an inferior work of the Holy Spirit in them. Direct quote, direct quote from John Calvin. That's how ridiculous this is. They may have an inferior work of the Holy Spirit within them and find out when they die that they didn't enter heaven because they were not one of the elect the whole time. Yes. So what's ironic about this is that even in their, in their, in their doctrine to, to, to uh, twist Scripture... And in their, in their' in mind to glorify God, they, and, and, in, and being this elitist kind of a doctrine, they themselves have fallen into the same trap of the Roman Catholic Church in that there's not a certainty, there's not this security, there's not this relationship. How can you have a relationship and a security, not even knowing if you're really, really, really one of the elect? And then that's why they're so, the emphasis is so hard on the law with the Calvinists, because that's their proof that if you're obedient, that you're doing all these things, that you must be one of the elect. So it's, it's, a, it's circular logic, and, they get you, and you get right back into the trap. It's, it's from the darkness. You see it? So you, they don't even have the confidence. I know they don't have the confidence to go tell someone on the street that you can be forgiven. It's, it's conditional upon if you're one of the elect because if you're not one of the elect, you can't believe, you can't, whatever you do or say doesn't matter because you're not one of the elect. So they can't tell anybody on the street with any confidence that you can be forgiven. Jesus died for your sins. They can't say that. They can say, we hope he died for your sins. And they themselves personally do not have that confidence. I mean, their founding, their founder, John Calvin himself said, you may think you're one of the elect and find out you're not one of the elect because you had some kind of inferior work of the Holy Spirit. What's that? (laughs) I know. Exactly. Well, and so that's the kind of thing that they end up in the same position as the Roman Catholics. Whereas if they just stick with the truth, a truth that is for all people, a simple truth, but an awesome, profound truth, they would find peace and rest and security knowing that they, the Holy Spirit bears witness with their spirit that they are the children of God. It's awesome. Okay. Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 17, This I say, therefore, and affirm together with the Lord, that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding. He's referring to the unregenerate here. Being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. So you see the two things here in verse 18? Darkness in their understanding, excluded from the life of God. That's how we were before we believed. We were darkened in our understanding, and we were excluded from the life of God. The life of God was not within us. But the key to getting the life of God in us is not some sovereign act of God regenerating us without us doing anything and then believing afterwards. No, the key to getting the life of God in us is having our understanding enlightened by truth that we might hear and see so that we, the darkness would go away and then we would believe or not believe, choose to believe or not believe. As the scripture says, if today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart, meaning that the hard heart can resist the message. Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. So that's a, that's a reference to the voice of God, the word of God, the message of God's grace going out to the unregenerate. And if you hear it, if you hear it, if you don't resist it, receive it, believe it, see? And then upon receiving it, The gift is given of the Holy Spirit and the work of regeneration. As Paul says in Ephesians, look at this in Ephesians, just turn over to the same book. Look at Ephesians chapter 1. Chapter 1 in Ephesians, look at verse 13. Thirteen, chapter one of Ephesians. In Him, you also, you believers, after listening to the message of truth, after you listened to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you listened and you believed. After that, you were sealed in Him with the Holy Spirit of promise. Isn't that awesome? So, so the unregenerate who is darkened in their understanding excluded or alienated from the life of God, listens, and they can either believe or not believe. And Paul is saying, you believers, you listened and you believed. And after you believed, you were sealed or given the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's just really clear. Which means anybody can believe. Anybody can see. Okay, look at this, please, if you would. Let's look at Acts This thing about seeing is so awesome. I love it. Acts chapter 24, I believe. Let's see if that's it. Acts 24. I'm sorry, Acts 26. Acts 26. This is when Jesus met Paul on the road to Damascus. Look what Paul is told here by Jesus himself. Acts 26. Paul is telling this to the king. explaining his experience on the road to Damascus. And he says, in verse 13, chapter 26, verse 13, he says, And at midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven. It starts with a light. I love it. In the beginning, there was darkness on the face of the earth. And God said, let there be light. It all begins with light. Light, not life, light. Darkness, light. In the beginning, darkness is over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. The darkness and the unregenerate. God's light is more powerful than the darkness. It pierces. The scripture says, the entrance of thy word bringeth light into the darkness. God says, let there be light. It all begins with light. I love that. Okay. A light from heaven brighter than, the, brighter than the sun shining all around me. I love that, brighter than the sun, because the light of heaven, the heavenly light, is not like the sun's light. The sun's light, as C.S. Lewis said, is a pale yellow light compared to the light of heaven, a light that doesn't hurt your eyes. It's like a, So you can look right into it and it doesn't hurt your eyes. It's like, oh, my God, it's like a glorious, shining, simmering, shimmering, uh, shimmering light that is not like the sun's yellow dim light i love how c.s lewis compares the dim sun of our world with the light of god and paul says here was brighter than the sun in fact when Jesus' clothes were transfigured when he was praying on the mount the scripture says his his the light that was coming out of his body through his clothes was brighter than the sun it was awesome It's it's a different light it's a light that doesn't hurt the retina so cool i love that Shining all around me and those who are journeying with me. Verse 14. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the, in the Hebrew dialect Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Now, this is a reference to the oxen. You know, you've heard the story about the, the oxen are in the yoke and they have goads or sharp points on the out, like, like the back of the yoke. So where the oxen fits in the first part of the yoke, and there's these sharp points that are behind the oxen. So if the oxen starts to back up and not do its job and not pull forward, it hits these goads and it pricks them. So it makes them go forward and, and pull the yoke and go forward. So, so what, he's say, what the Lord is saying here is that he's, he's, uh, he's not going forward. Paul is not going forward with God's program here he's resisting what god is doing in christ he thinks he's helping god out by persecuting these christians but he's but he's he's feeling the prickliness he's feeling it in himself this is not you know he's feeling it this this is not doesn't feel good but i feel like i'm doing god's duty and that kind of thing so he's saying this is this is what paul is experiencing so um so basically the lord just you know read his mail and basically said you know you're fighting against what i'm doing and, and it's it's, it's going to be, it's, not, it's painful. It's not, you're not feeling the peace. Okay, verse 15. And I said, who art thou, Lord? This is Paul saying. And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Wow. That one sentence opened Paul's mind to the body of Christ being Christ on the earth. You're persecuting people Jesus says, you're persecuting me. The head and the body. That began to open up the revelation of the body of Christ being Christ himself on the earth. Verse 16. But arise and stand on your feet. For this purpose I have appeared to you. To appoint you a minister and a witness. Not only to the things which you have seen. But also to the things which I will appear to you. So it begins with Paul seeing something. And then Watch. I will deliver you from the Jewish people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you. And the very first thing I want you to do and will do on verse, in verse 18 is to open their eyes. See the light. To open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light, from the domain or dominion of Satan to God, in order that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. Awesome. So you see here, the call of Paul starts with his blinders being taken off. In fact, it says that he was blind for three days after this event. God teaching us something about this, this whole thing about seeing. But three days he was blind and he was was led around by a, a hand. Three days, which is a picture of the work of Christ, three days, three nights. And then on the third day, Ananias prayed for him, not the other Ananias, but the Ananias disciple prayed for him. And Paul says something like, great scales fell off his eyes. It's in the the book of Acts. Awesome. Great scales fell off his eyes. And he saw. For the first time, he understood. He He would know more later in the deserts of Arabia. God would explain even more. But what was told to him on that road suddenly made sense. And his understanding was no longer darkened. And that's when Ananias said, Come, be baptized and wash away your sins. In other words, take the step of faith and believe. Water baptism doesn't wash away our sins, we know that. But it was the act of faith that I believe, I believe. So, first the sight, he listened, sight, and then he believed. And his sins were washed away, and he began to witness to what has been revealed to him. Isn't that cool? That's the order. You know, that's the order. And it's so cool because that means that you can help anyone see. Jesus said when he first came in the Gospel of Luke, he said this, when he first revealed himself in Nazareth in the synagogue, and they gave him the scrolls to read, and he read, and he came, turned to the passage in Isaiah, and he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He was reading the, reading the Messianic verse that all the rabbis and all the Jewish people there knew referred to the Messiah. And he was going to say at the end of that verse, he was going to say, this day the scripture is fulfilled in your ears, which was blasphemy to them because that could only be said by the Messiah. But he, he read, the, read that passage, awesome passage, and he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And the very first thing he says, the very first thing, he has sent me to open the eyes of the blind. Awesome. Very first thing, open the eyes of the blind. Jesus said that all who are born into this world are blind and that if you recognize your blindness, then you shall see. But if you say you see, you shall remain blind. The Pharisees said they saw. The Pharisees said, we see. We have Moses. We're we are the sons of Abraham. John the Baptist said, God is able to raise up these stones and make sons of Abraham. But they were boasting in their, in their, in their pedigree, not pedicure, pedi- pedigree, maybe the pedigree too. I don't know. The days of sandals, you know. And their pedigree, they were, they were boasting in their pedigree saying, we're the sons of Abraham. And um, John said, that's nothing to God, your pedigree. You know, you're, you, know uh, you boast in the law of Moses. Even Jesus said, you know, how can you believe you Pharisees who seek glory from one another? Seek glory from one another in your pursuit of self-righteousness and do not seek the glory that comes from God only. He goes, how can you believe? He goes, don't think I will accuse you, but Moses will accuse you, the one whom you trust. Moses, Moses will accuse you in the last day, Pharisee. You sought to be righteous in your own efforts, boasting in Moses, boasting in 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 your pedigree of the sons of Abraham. And the Lord says, no, Moses himself will accuse you, for he himself pointed to me, and Abraham pointed to me. For if you believed Abraham, you would have believed me, he said, see? So it's all about seeing, the eyes opening up and seeing, and then you're believing or not believing, listening and believing. Because Paul says in Ephesians, you listened and you believed, and therefore you were given the gift of the Spirit. Another verse in Galatians says, Galatians chapter 4 says, because you, have, because you are now sons, then... After God has sent to you the spirit of his son and given you the spirit of of his son, crying, Abba, Father. So you become a son when you believe. When you believe, who are the sons of Abraham? The believers, Galatians says. So once again, the logic is you hear, you believe, and because you have believed, God counts it as righteousness and gives you the gift of the spirit and joins himself to us because he couldn't join himself to us until we were completely cleansed. And that's where faith comes in. For he counts that as righteousness because we are believing that the Lord's judgment was my judgment. His death was my death. Isn't that awesome? awesome. I love the simplicity of it. I love the fact that anybody can hear, anybody can believe, and that it, there is a heavenly logic to it. And then just look, real quick, let's look at Romans. We'll wrap this up real quick. Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. Let's see, let's start. Um, let's see, verse 9, let's, we'll start there. This 1 through 8 is awesome. Let's just start with 9, um, chapter 10, verse 9. Romans chapter 10, verse 9. If you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes, resulting in righteousness. And with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. Or in other translations, will not be ashamed. That's why Paul puts believing and speaking in the same vein here. Believing or confessing. Because if you really believe, you're not ashamed to speak. That's how you know you really believe. If you really believe, you're not afraid or ashamed to be identified with Christ before men. That's the the evidence of true faith. Those who say, I believe in my own way, but they never talk about Jesus, and they're they're ashamed to be, you know, known as a believer among people and stuff, they have to really wonder if they really believe. Because when you really believe, you freely confess. You freely speak about Him, you know, because you really believe. That's why he puts those two together, believing and confession, um, because they're one and the same in, in, in actuality, because true believers, uh, as, as Paul says, we believe, therefore we speak. We believe, therefore we speak. Okay. Verse 11, for the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed or not be ashamed. In other translations, verse 12, for there's no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all. Abounding in riches for all who call upon Him. No election here. No certain group here. It's all. All can come to Him. Whosoever will can believe. Verse 13. For whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. How then shall they call upon Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? Just it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring glad tidings Of good things. How beautiful are the feet. What a great pedicure they have. (laughs) Who bring glad tidings of good things. Now notice here, saints. He doesn't say here. He doesn't say here. um, The Calvinist would have reworded this. The Calvinist would have said this. How then shall they call upon him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him um, unless they be regenerated? But Paul doesn't say that. He says, How shall they call upon Him in whom they have not believed? But, and how shall they believe in Him whom they have not heard? Or maybe right here the Calvinist would, would have said, And how can they hear unless they be regenerated? But he doesn't say that. The next sentence says, And how shall they hear without a preacher? Without someone speaking the word? See? You see? So the unregenerate can hear, can receive light, that they may believe. And then he says, but how can they preach unless they be sent? Because the true word has to be a sent word, has to be anointed, has to be a revelation of the finished work of Christ and not just any word. It's got to be the word. Faith comes by hearing the word of Christ, the revelation of Christ. But isn't that cool? He says here, how can they believe unless they hear? How can they hear unless they, right here, the Calvinists would have said, how can they hear unless they be regenerated first? Paul says, no, they can hear if someone just tells them. But that person telling them needs to be sent because the ones who are sent are the ones who have the right message and, and the anointing of the Holy Spirit to bring that light into them. Isn't that awesome? Ah, oh, I love it. I just want to have this in us so that when it comes to you, if it hasn't already come to you, this whole thinking of Reformed theology and Calvinism, that you'll be aware and you'll be able to say, nah, that's not what Scripture says. This is what... boom boom boom." And um, and be clear that that you and I believe that he died not for just the sins of the believer, but for the sins of the whole world. And anybody can hear, and see, and believe. Anybody. It's So cool. The light the light enters. Yes. 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 RC Sproul is the foremost leader in Calvinism and Reformed theology. He's on radio everywhere. He's got books. He's got seminars. It's very slick, and, and he's got a lot of good things. He's got you know. He's, he's got a lot of. That's what makes it so. He sounds so in everything. It's very, very much a reasoned approach. Very logical. It's very, it's it's actually a uh, it's a intellectually stimulating view of scripture. It's intellectually view of stimulating view of scripture that is appealing and that is seductive to those who want to be appealed to their intellect. It really is. But God says not many wise, not many noble are chosen. Not many, God has chosen the foolish to confound the wise. And, you know, professing to become wise, professing to be wise, they have become fools, God says, because they have not heard the simplicity, you know. Yeah, it's, it's really, and it's, it's there, there are a lot of problems with, it's not just that, but it's a lot of problems with, um, for instance, they have a real big problem with experiencing God, you know, experiential relationship with God, um, you know, the power of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, they don't promote, they don't agree with. Um, it's all in the mind, all reason, all cerebral. All cerebral all, it's all about, you know, it's, it, there's a lot of problems with it. It goes deep into, uh, you know, like, one of the Reformed teachers uh, at some seminar once, a guy asked from the, from the crowd, asked the Reformed teacher, where in your theology is experiencing God? Because they haven't heard anything about that. Where in your theology is experiencing God? And the speaker said, mark that man, he is a new ager. Because to them, that's outside experiencing God. I mean, the gifts of the Spirit, words of knowledge or gifts of healing or God leading you, God speaking to you, the spiritual is so powerful and so necessary for the body of Christ You know, but if it's all cerebral, if it's all intellectual, if it's all logic, if it's all reason, then that's foolishness to the natural mind. There are a lot of problems with Calvinism and Reformed theology, not just what we just talked about here. But um, I just wanted you guys to be aware of that, that you can boldly say that, yes, an unregenerate person can believe. They just need to see. They need to have the Word. Then they can choose to believe or not believe and and uh, the miracle will happen. James, the, yeah. the very first thing you started with was how they uh, try to claim that faith is some kind of work, notorious work that uh, somehow they they painted into that corner and said, well. Uh, and you, you might hit on this in here, but uh, Romans four verse five uh, clearly contradicts them when it says, "But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly." There it so is. Yep. And, Faith is not a yeah Paul always put works meritorious works yes. opposite faith in that sentence right there yeah that's yeah, it's it's clearly not a work in the terms of that you merit anything if you think about what faith is you really are just believing what God said or not believing what God said do you believe God really did it or you don't believe God did it so it's not any kind of Jesus refers to Faith as a work, once in the scripture, but he was doing it to teach the Pharisees what what God was after. In other words, they asked him one day. They said, "What must we do to work the works of God?" Because they were asking him what to do to be righteous. And Jesus just summed it up, you know, like this. He said, "This is the work, the one work of God. If you want to work, if you want to call it that way, if you want to call it that, this is the work of God that you believe on Him." whom God has sent. Isn't that awesome? So he took their own language and their own question and put it right back to them and said, this is the work. This is the only work to believe, but it's not a work in terms of a meritorious work. Awesome. Cool. Y'all pray for me and pray that I'll be able to share. I'm going to share those, about those three major lies that are, are out there and that hopefully will help people see some things and encourage the body of Christ it's cool awesome thanks guys Lord thank you so much for today thanks for the saints gathering I pray that help me speak Lord with a clarity and I pray that there'll be ears to hear and eyes to see and encourage the saints I pray Lord encourage all the saints everyone's going through something in these days everyone's fighting a battle of some kind I pray you would comfort the saints today and encourage us. If there be any unbeliever in our midst, I pray that they would hear and see. I pray that light would come into their darkened understanding and they would hear the voice of the Good Shepherd saying, come, follow me. Believe only. Reach out, Lord, I pray, by your Holy Spirit to those who do not know you as they gather this morning, and may they see you as you are. In Jesus' name, amen.